T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Okay, I guess I'll open it up. Uh, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is Grant Cameron, and we're doing another joint broadcast today with um, my friends from Strange Recon, uh, Chase Williams and uh, Jeff Kingsbury. Uh, we get into the, they're the kind of friends I have that talk about really weird consciousness stuff. <laughs> and um, I had one subject I want to bring up today and it has to do with ghosts and um, seances and stuff like that. And so I brought in my other friend, uh, Walter Rooker from uh, Florida, who's in his uh, motorhome. Uh, and he's an expert uh, at all things uh, seance related. And he likes the bizarre edge of consciousness as well, so I want to welcome everybody. And Desta is here. Uh, she's she's she usually sits in the background, but she probably knows more than anybody. She has all these modalities. She's worked on them all. She's studied them all, and is um, is is very very knowledgeable. So hopefully, she'll get into the conversation. So how you doing, gentlemen? And and Desta, how? Good here. Good. Going great. <laughs> great. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, one guy in a so, boat, one guy in a in an RV. I feel like a trend is happening here. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I didn't notice you were in a boat there. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And Grant's in the jungle. I'm in Grant's the jungle. jungle. <laughs> Grant's always in the jungle, <laughs> metaphorically. There you go. So let let me bring up this first subject, and then we'll uh, go from there. Um, I can probably explain this Philip experiment. I think it's really, really important experiment. It was done in Toronto and it uh, gets into this whole nature about um, the Einstein thing. Is there an objective world out there uh, independent of us or are we manifesting what's around us? The whole Seth idea that you create your, your, um, your world. And the, for people who are not familiar with the, the um, Philip experiment, this happened in 1972 in Toronto there was eight people and um, now his name is going to escape me. Owen is the guy that ran it, Dr. Owen. And he apparently was the head of the um, Mensa for Canada. And uh, so he set up this experiment where uh, they decided they would create a ghost. So what they did is they made up this uh, sort of a story about this guy from uh, the 1500s. And uh, he has this big estate and he marries this uh, other woman has a, you know, lots of money and nobility and stuff. And um, she's very cold and frigid. And then he meets this uh, uh, gypsy woman and he starts to have this affair and he brings her to the estate and hides her on the estate. And this is all being made up. This is just a story they make up. And uh, the wife finds out about this woman and accuses her of witchcraft and stealing her husband. 
and uh, they put her on trial for witchcraft. And the husband is so embarrassed and, and doesn't want to lose his nobility and all that sort of stuff that he doesn't do anything and she gets burned at the stake. And at that point, then he gets all frustrated and um, remorseful and he commits suicide from a turret on the uh, one of the um, on, on the estate. And so they make this uh, story up and they basically say, can we create this this ghost to come across? So they set this whole experiment up and they start doing meditation. So for a year, they do meditation and they draw this guy's photograph and they want him to physically material materialize. And nothing happens. And at the end of the first year, someone says, well, why don't we do it like a sounds where you get the vibration going and uh, everybody starts singing crazy songs and and uh, dancing and all, you know, just making it like like little kids. And suddenly, boom, this the rapping starts and this this ghost appears. And so the the whole idea is that they start ask, asking questions of Philip and Philip is singing. Uh, if, the, if one of the stories I'd heard was when someone's favorite song if that person wasn't there that week, then Philip didn't know the song. And it was this whole idea that they were actually creating the ghost. It was actually their minds that were creating this ghost. Now, a lot of say materialists would say, well, that just proves there's no ghosts, but it does prove that there is this reflective aspect. Now I've, I've got um, a couple of quotes I wanna read from um, that sort of relate to UFOs. And this is where I think it's sort of, um, ties in John, John Keel, who had done the pre UFO stuff where he was looking at paranormal phenomena said the UFO phenomena is uh, frequently reflective. That is observed manifestations seem to be deliberately tailored and adjusted to the individual beliefs and mental attitudes of the witnesses. Both objects and occupants appear to be able to adopt a magnitude of forms and the contactees are usually given information which conforms to their own belief systems. The witnesses are not perpetrators of these hoaxes but are the victims of it. And then uh, we go to Brandon Fugel who runs Skinwalker Ranch. And I already knew this one with Skinwalker Ranch. G George Knapp had said, those who were the most aggressive to the phenomena at Skinwalker Ranch had the worst experiences. This is what Brandon Fugel says. I have noticed on a number of, uh, number of occasions, people who bring negativity to the ranch um, that bring a spirit of contention or negativity end up experiencing a negativity. The ranch seems to be reflective, at least to respond in a very dynamic way to the spirituality uh, or psychology of those who enter. So he's a he's a Latter-day Saint guy and his brother flies his helicopter and flies him in there. And they always say prayers as they're coming in. So they, they realize there's this sort of reflective uh, aspect to it. And let me read one more. George Adamski said, uh, there is a continual interblending between the visible and the invisible, the high vibration and the low but never a break. When we speak of matter, we are speaking of the spiritual in a low state of manifestation. The trouble with the metaphysical setup is that everything in the invisible is labeled spiritual while the visible is lab labeled material. But in truth, there is, there is neither spiritual nor physical. It is all the same thing. And then Kit Green says, this is this study that I keep pushing. Nobody's really picked up on it yet. This um, study that it sounds like Bigelow has got the contract for this study. There's eight guys and Kit Green talks about this with um, um, Jim Penniston. When he goes to get Jim Penniston's DNA and is, is, uh, uh, do the MRI on his brain to see why our experience is different, he basically tells Penniston that there's eight scientists, eight people working for the Defense Department, the money's coming to the Defense Department, working on experiencers, and uh, Bigelow is running the contract because Penniston says, I wanna know what you're up to here. What are you doing? I'm not gonna just roll over for you. And this, so this is what Kit Green says. 
for some witnesses, the appearance between what is seen and what really is will somehow become fully distorted and in most cases unrecognizable. Also, it is as if from a certain distance or point of view in relation to what is being perceived, a witness will interpret the event or experience based on his her, or her own perceived views and beliefs. So that's that's these quotes. Now let me go back and I and and I talked about this, where uh, I brought this up in lectures, where you get the situation where you have, uh, for example, Mission Rama. People will say, "Oh, there's these greys, these evil greys, and the reptilians and the mantids and all this kind of stuff." And I say, "I defy you to go to Mission Rama." And there's like twenty five thousand people, and they're they've got being encounters all the time. They've done it since 1974. I defy you to find a gray in that thing. And that's because you see their their attitude. It's sort of very Christian religious attitude. And all the beings they see are these nine or 10 foot tall beings that look like uh, swimmers that are wearing these tight bicycle suits on and stuff like that. And so I, I looked at that and realized that this this whole idea or that the grays only appeared in 1961. That, that we may be reflecting. So I actually uh, was going through some files. I'm sending some files to the University of Manitoba. And I was looking at all the old cases of um, before the grays came on. So there's all these being cases from 1947 and on. So I was looking at these and I actually marked them off. It's unbelievable. You take a, you take a look, um, they have um, um, wearing a diver suit, helmets with oval, plate uh face plates um normal face normal hands and and fingernails uh one wore wore a headpiece the other wore a blue headpiece uh translucent helmets short humanoid humanoids with round shiny helmet and you go through this and it's like i don't know it's maybe 20 percent of all the cases before 1962 so from 19 47 to 1962 they're wearing helmets and some of them have the hose coming off the helmet going into the something on their back and you go back and look at the cartoons and the movies of the 1940s and 50s and that's exactly what you see and then suddenly the grays come along and all the helmets disappear like when was the last time you heard someone encounter a being with a helmet except for uh, Travis Walton and now his story is kind of in some degree of trouble he had a helmet where he, he claimed this guy was wearing a helmet inside when when he woke up so that's what I basically want to look at and sort of throw it out for people to um, maybe give examples and uh, get some comments on this, this idea of how much is, of what we're actually seeing is actually an objective world. How much influence do we have on, on, on what we are seeing, whether it be in ufology or in um, whether it's seances or any sort of paranormal phenomena. Is there an objective world as Einstein wanted to believe or is this Copenhagen thing where the observer or John Wheeler said, it's a participatory universe. I'm just gonna go with that one, guys. I was gonna say over to you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of it more like in this topic, I always think of it more of like a Freud versus Jung type of conversation. Like a car, you know what I mean? Like, a, uh, are we are we manifesting it or, 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 or should we, are we manifesting it? If, and experience it and it's innate or, or are we manifesting it and are we able to communicate and have like a rational conversation and try to understand what's going on with these things and i don't know that's what it can kind of comes down to me because when i'm in these states when i'm experiencing these things they're not grazed they're not anything they're something new pretty much all the time and they're talking you know they're talking back so i don't you know i don't know i don't know if it's if this world is 
is this is what we think it is i hate i don't even want to admit that chase and i have been disagreeing for freaking nine months now but it's it's just a it's no offense to anyone here but it's obnoxious nothing is as it seems as a you know like it's just it's too much for me it is <laughs> very real but i to bring up because you guys have, have encountered these beings and in the idea is are there any is there anybody else seeing these beings because i remember i did the one with the grays one time people say oh it's a gray so then I took all the grays and I put them on a PowerPoint, a PowerPoint, and yeah. I put Betty Hill's gray, and then I put Be- Andreasen's gray, and then Whitley Strieber's gray, and gray, gray, gray. None of them look the same. They all look, right. when you start looking, you just make this assumption that they're all going to look the same, and they don't look the same. So when, you, when you're in these states where you're encountering these beings that you have, it, it, do you think everybody's encountering the same being, or, or are you uh, forming whatever type of being that you need to see or are they the same because you would know better than, than I in terms of what you're seeing well I I'm not I personally have no control over what I'm seeing like I don't have any type of it's ridiculous it's it's it's, it's absurd it, you, I have no control over. maybe pe- people do or people tell me they do you know there's people out there that claim to know all they cataloged all these things and they because they can go visit those places again I have no control of it and whatever but I think I want to also say too that I've always thought that Gray was like a stupid-looking alien. I, I never, I never understood that that concept. Maybe it's a time traveler. Maybe that's where it gets its look. But I never thought it was. Now, when I grew up, the Gray face was all over everything. Remember the stickers? They used to be like the, the you know, reflective 3D. It was just, it was obnoxious. And I never thought that was what I saw growing up at all. So I just thought that everyone was wrong and I was right. So uh, I just assume that um, that it is a shape, a shape, a shifting thing, and I don't want it to be. I want it to be physical, and then this ultra light species thing that can do whatever it wants. But I, it's obviously never going to be my way. So yeah, I'm I'm on strikeout three for all my theories that I've passed on through Strange Recon. <laughs> but at least you have like that's what the DMT is. That's why interests me so much about the DMT. Where I've heard and I keep hearing more and more stories about Strassman that. That he basically packed it in when when these when these beings started to appear because it just sort of violated his whole concept of how the world worked and uh so you you get the there's no doubt that people are seeing these things but when you start hearing the descriptions they sort of vary and um are they individualized or and that that's where it comes down are because because definitely like chase you mentioned the one where you're on the table where you're definitely not on a table but so where are you i mean you're you're lying on a couch 10 minutes later and you have this experience where it's as real as, as real can be. And that, that sort of brings up this idea about the reflective nature of um, what, 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 what we're seeing. We come back in the physical world and we think we're back into reality. And some people will say, no, this is the dream. That was the reality. You hear these kind of yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I uh, my, my opinion has shifted somewhat over the past two weeks. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Uh, some, uh, some news. <laughs> I, I, I'm still of the opinion that this is some some kind of holographic, you know, reality that we perceive. The physical world uh, is, um, in my opinion, based on my research and, and discussions with you guys as well as others. You know, I think that thought is kind of the the core component of everything. Um, and forgive me, I'm a little congested. It's not COVID. Um, but, uh, no, I think, you know, with respect to the, the video grant, you started the video off, you were talking about the, uh, um, I've forgotten the ghost name, Peter, no, Philip, 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 with, with, with respect to Philip, you know, I think 
there's this idea of tulpas, right? Of an imaginary creature or entity that you manifest based on focused thought uh, with respect to that entity. Um, you know, that, that's been around for a while. I think that's what that is. I think um, you can certainly think of it that way. It could also be that these people um, and, and us included and everyone else that does any of this to one degree or another, um, when thinking about something and, and gets results, you know, we're, we're kind of just, we're using a vehicle without understanding exactly how to use the vehicle. You know, it's kind of like we're in the driver's seat and, and we don't know what the gas pedal does. And we press the gas pedal and we get excited <laughs> that the car goes forward. And then we're like, well, well, how the hell did I do that? Right. And then you're, you're starting to press other buttons and nothing happens. And I think it, I, you know, I think there's a method to the madness that we can um, maybe become experts at. Um, but, you know, with respect to shared visions and shared experiences, I mean, we find that in the DMT research. We find that in Strassman's work. Uh, we find that in um, um, Galmore's work uh, and others that have, that have researched DMT and DMT experiences, ayahuasca, LSD, psilocybin. I mean, people do see at least similar beings, um, you know, and as Jeff said, um, these things are completely autonomous. So at least in the moment, it doesn't seem like um, I was the one creating what this entity was saying or, or the message that I received from seemingly received from the entity. Um, and the entities that I saw in that particular experience, Grant, certainly looked nothing like greys. Now, I was unable to see their face, even though it was right in front of me. It's like a mental block. But I remember everything down from, from the, the neck, the torso, the arms, and uh, it was, they were brown. And they were very, well, both legs and arms were symmetrical, the features are, you know, it's like there were little bumps and, and uh, uneven surfaces on the arms and the legs and the, and the torso. Um, you know, so, so I, that was unique. I've never heard of any, anyone else describe that aside from maybe the Pascagoula incident, but there's even symmetry in the drawings, the illustrations have been done, uh, you know, that Philip had done um, on his uh, experience there in Pascagoula. So, uh, you know, I'm really not sure. I think that it has to do with interfacing with others' thoughts. I really do. You know, and, and we get down now to coincidence and, you know, the things like um, um, deja vu. Uh, you know, you buy a new car and you see the car everywhere or you, you're, you're listening to a song and then you, you go over to a friend's house and they've got the same song on. You know, these are, I think minor reflections in the hologram on the, the low end of the spectrum. And the further you go along the, the spectrum, the bigger these reflection, reflections get up to maybe someone, you know, um, uh, you know, a housewife in the 50s that has never thought about aliens is, is you know, Catholic, a devout Catholic. And, you know, she's, she's, she's a, a you know, has no history or, or interest in any of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, one night she gets visited by, you know, an alien in a helmet or whatever. And um, maybe that's has to do with accessing these, these reflections. Uh, you know, 
this is not going to be a popular opinion, but <laughs> it's not going to be a popular opinion at all. <laughs> for, the, for, for those that, that believe that when we die, we go off to this, this soul group, right? Michael Newton talks about it. Tom Campbell talks about it. Uh, uh, Robert Monroe talks about it uh, and others. I don't, I personally at this point, this is what's changed. I, I don't think the soul group exists. You can look at near death experiencers that have, um, that describe so many variations. I mean, they'll see the light, right? They, they feel the love, but some will see their deceased father, grandfather, whatever, dog, and others don't. And if you look at Tom Campbell's work, he says, well, that's because these are, and I'm really interested in what Walter has to say about this, by the way. Uh, these, are, these are like hard drives, right? When Desta, when Chase dies, when Chase dies, if a medium contacts Chase, they never get a Chase that is like, yeah, I lived that life and now I'm, you know, flying around the universe. They always get the chase that, that liked uh, vehicular technology and still drinks bottled water or whatever the <laughs> aspects of chase were when he was alive, right? If you, if you, if you get a medium to contact a colonial uh, 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 infantry person or something, they're still a colonial infantry person. That even, even if it's been hundreds of years, that's still Pete the colonial, right? Yeah. So you have to wonder, that's Tom's explanation. And, and I think it's the same thing with the soul group. I think body of water, we're droplets from that body. And then the droplets further divide and further divide and further divide. And if you look at um, uh, some uh, of the case studies of Newton and, and others, they talk about the division of the soul. I think it's the same thing. When you go to the other side, you can have the soul group experience if that's what makes you comfortable, or you can just completely dissolve into everything. And, uh, and that's what I've experienced. Um, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put okay, myself me, on mute. Let me turn it to Walter, but let me bring up one other thing that Walter can sort of go to. And that is this reflective nature as well about after you die. So if you go and you say, believe in the spirit, the, the soul group, you may go that, but I remember um, a lot of the mediums, Walter can correct me if I'm wrong. They would have this thing where what's what's the big uh, voice medium guy in, in England? He was he was one of the guys where they would talk about, oh, when you die, you, you die as a kid, you go into the soul group and you go what you grow up in the in the soul group with your parents. But then you're thinking, well, what about the, 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 those people? Don't they grow up with their parents? And it's sort of like it's whatever world they want to be in. Or when I talk to Ron Johnson and his mother, he's in the he's in the spirit world with his mother. And she's taking him for this tour. And she says, Ron, when you die, you're going to have a, a room in this building. And it's like, it's like a Mormon temple. And you see this, this whole thing that, and it's fields. You'll hear a lot of these people, it's beautiful fields and flowers and stuff like that. And again, it starts, starts to look like this reflective thing that maybe your afterlife is whatever you build it. But Walter, you're kind of the expert on this. And I want you to bring up as well. You gave me a quote by Bashar about vibration. So go with Bashar and your interpretation of what goes on with the especially with the seances, with the, the, the beings that come that are interacted with. Yeah, the, um, you know, the Philip experiment, one of the highlights of it was the, uh, the wrapping and the, <coughs> and the uh, table movement. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. And uh, there seemed to be no explanation for this. The, 
The problem being is that there was no real Philip. There was no material Philip. He was, he was a made up person. So that when they went to seance, they, you know, conjured up this so-called Philip who came and gave them all kinds of vertical evidence that he was exactly who they had made up in their heads. And that's, that's quite a thing. Hello, cattail. That was quite a thing to, uh, for them to experience, you know, because this is not what they expected. This was the start of a, a period that was the resurgence of cynicism and, and some very uh, severe skepticism of the spiritualist movement of the uh, idea of afterlife. And it was a fairly feeble way, honestly, for them to attempt to discredit because that's what they were out trying to do is they were saying, look, we can come up with uh, ghosts and spirits that are neither ghosts nor spirits just by our intent and sitting in seance in a particular setting and, and joining our, each other in a, in a frequency of intent. And they sure enough did exactly that. But, you know, back to, to what Chase was talking about, and his view of things, just views of things. You've got to, and this goes to what Bashar will tell you, you've got to go back and, and say to yourself, now, let's start from the beginning. Am I actually here physically in this material world, or am I a spirit having a material experience? And these are two entirely different things. I can pinch myself and cut myself, and I'll bleed and I'll bruise. But Am I really doing nothing more than sitting back in the spirit world someplace and having this physical experience through my consciousness, creating matter with my consciousness? And that experience in this particular case, I have four co-contributors to this experience here on this Zoom conference. And that requires that there be some communication between folks. And it also requires if Grant and, and Chase and Jeff and Dessa are all actually in spirit, and here materially for the material experience, if that's actually the case, then we would have had to have had to have had an agreement that we would someday come together like we are come together today prior to our incarnations. Because if we are still in spirit, we may have had a physical bodily uh, corporeal experience that we're going through, but it's not exactly who we are. This is what Bashar would say, and this is where I actually come from. This is the feeling that I have. Now, when it comes to materializations, manifestations, grays, aliens, and, and those kinds of things, it's more or less still the same theory. The theory is, is that at some point pre-incarnation, we had uh, a, a gathering. Uh, this also extends to the grades hybridization program that a, a consensual agreement that we would participate, that we would have experiences with grace, that we would have them in our dreams, that we would have them in our waking times. And these are things that, although they seem to come up on us in a surprising way, the truth of the matter is they wouldn't be happening if we hadn't all agreed on it at the first like just like this Zoom conference. If we all hadn't taken Grant's invitation and put our headphones on and cranked in, um, we wouldn't be here uh, having a, a five-way Zoom conference either. So it, it's very simple, similar to that. The other part of this that I'd like to, to bring up is my own personal experience. And this one's kind of funny because I had my first gray experience about 1966 or 67. 
and I don't remember exactly who was the first person to talk about grays or to or make a drawing of one, but I was 16 or 17 years of age and I had a dreamscape experience where I was driving my car down a road that was wet and cold and my car stopped at this place right down the street from where I lived. I got out of the car and for some reason went over to this chain link fence, looked through there, and there were these two gray beings who then zoomed straight up into my face and looked at me and then zoomed away again because they were irritated I was watching because they apparently were fixing their craft or something. I don't know. Next thing I know, I'm back in my car. I'm in my bed. I wake up in the morning. I'm wet. And I'm trying to figure out, wait a minute. Was that a dream? Was it not a dream? Why am I having an experience in 1967 about grades when I'd never seen a grade? I didn't even know what an alien was back then. And we're talking about way back there in the, in the ages where this stuff wasn't even spoken of, even especially among the abductees. So you have these experiences that we all agree, apparently I agree with these gray beings or whatever they are. And however they want to show up and make themselves manifest to us, is basically according to a couple of what I'd say rules. Rule number one is they can't scare the shit out of us. That just isn't going to work. There's not going to be any communication. There's not going to be anything positive happening if you are just scared out of your mind the entire time. So they have a tendency to show up in faces and costumes and in things that make us more comfortable. Grant's, you know, guy with the, <laughs> with the portal and the tube stuck in it, you know? They didn't need that. The grays I looked at, they had huge eyes and, and were milling about. And, you know, they didn't need anything special. I didn't know anything about them. How was I supposed to manifest them out of something that I hadn't even, even thought of? But again, these are all pre-incarnated agreement. So you have to step back. And I know Jeff was saying these things are happening to him. And he says, well, these, these things, they just happened to me. And, and Jeff, I don't mean this in a bad way, don't, don't get me wrong, but there's really only two ways I can look at physical reality. I'm either a victim of it or I am the creator of it. And I can't be both. And from my philosophical viewpoint, metaphysical viewpoint, uh, I'm the creator of my physical reality. So the question, if I was in your shoes, it was happening to, I'd be saying, well, what exactly is it I'm supposed to be getting out of this? What am I supposed to be learning from this? Why is this happening to me? Is it really the appropriate question? The appropriate question is, what do I get out of this? What positive can I glean from this experience? And even if you feel like it's a negative experience, how do I glean something positive from that? It's a matter of perspective. So it's great to hear people, Jeff, talk about things like that, to say, you know, these are the experiences I'm having and I can't seem to be doing anything about them. And maybe that's part of the agreement. Maybe part of what your experience is a, a feeling of somewhat helplessness. That's the experience that you wanted. I guarantee you one thing. You're not having any experiences that you didn't uh, buy into pre-incarnation. You're not going to have any experiences that you didn't buy into pre-incarnation. So the only person you got to be mad at is yourself. So <laughs> you can take it out on yourself if you want. But... Uh, I'd say to you, you're very, very fortunate. There are not many people that have it. I don't have those experiences often anymore. Uh, I feel very fortunate when I do have them. We have help, but Walter. But it's good to hear them. It's good to hear about them. Yeah. Well, 
I, what about children, though, then, Walter? What about children who go through these extremely traumatic experiences that have absolutely no, uh, I mean, I guess maybe they have an innate knowledge of all this stuff throughout uh, in their genes, but what about like the report of like raping of a child, <laughs> crocodiles, or, or showing me a mutilated animal, like, and then showing my babysitter who was 18 years old, or, or you know, like just these random things that would, would be traumatic. Or what about all the people that claim to have done that and spent their entire lives learning from those experiences? But then like, like people like Nancy Tremaine, who I feel like has severe damage from her experiences, like the anxiety and stuff like that. And I mean, if I suppose that she could be, or people like her could be manifesting that, but it seems to be a direct result. I mean, even like guys like, uh, like from the, Pascagoula UFO event. He walks around with a gun in his hand, never knew anything about aliens entire life. Christian, church-going man that was devout as hell, and his experience was of, of ex- extremely negative ones. Uh, I, I oftentimes get confused about this because I, I feel like there are different phenomenon sometimes. The, the, the phenomenon that we, we try to attribute to all the same thing has so many variations. I'm not quite sure I'm ready to put any type of absolutes on it because, I mean, I don't know how as a child the things that would happen to me happen to me. I mean, I died for minutes and minutes and minutes. I don't know why I would kill myself. I mean, I, you know, it's just, the, those are the things I feel like are, a, I feel like are a, a born of an Eastern philosophy, but especially, and don't take this in the wrong way at all, because this is just my, I'm simply, I sit and smoke pot all the time, just think for hours and hours on end. But I, it's oftentimes it feels to me born of Eastern philosophy, but, 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 used the most in a very comfortable place like a first world country where there's not that much trouble but it doesn't apply to like say a child you know going through hell or something in some third world place or something i i I sometimes feel that way and i oftentimes feel like these these type of philosophies that we have even break down to like philosophy of science are, are derived from years and years of other belief structures but using like the ascension type of thing or some of us go through or some of us not or we're manifesting it all all the time i i i don't see what the i don't see what you could learn from that as a child and i also don't see what major experiencers like travis walton all this stuff you know what he's going like he gets shot with a light ray and then 40 years later he's telling everyone he got shot with that light ray for because he was in the way of the craft and then they abducted him to to heal him because they needed aliens need five days to heal someone why not one day why not 100 days why not one second why not, you know it's, a, it's a, all these i oftentimes feel like decades after we have we have t- tried to justify the terry lovelaces I, I i love i think terry is one of the most respected people in this field but it's the same thing like why such a bad thing happened to him you spend 30 years thinking about it yeah you can come up with some reasons why just like i that's what humans are articulate we think well we're, we 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 use philosophy psychology we we research endlessly and things that we discover a gorilla doesn't do that i don't think after we experiment on it in the middle of the congo so i don't think 40 years after an incident of a german college student taking the dna from a gorilla i don't think the gorilla is justified why it happened after 40 years i oftentimes feel like that's what we do as people we try to figure out why it happened and i'm a good guy you know i, I hang so with people i'm, I'm friendly so i I mean, it couldn't have been a negative reason or something, or it couldn't have been, I don't know. I oftentimes get confused about that because I had such varying dark experiences as a child that I, and I wasn't a, I was a happy-go-lucky kid, you know, I, I don't know why any of that, you know, and I had other witnesses. I wasn't like alone in these things where I was just manifesting, telling people, well, you don't believe me. And then next thing you know, my mother's standing under a massive UFO and she, it changed her just as bad as it changed me. You know, it does, it's just, it, and she, 
was a Christian who believed in St. Michael and stuff, excuse my language, she would like, St. Michael, save me. You know, so, I, you know, it's, I don't know. I feel like it's so varying. I'm not sure if I'm going to put any absolutes on anything yet because there's so many young children go through things that I don't know how they would have come up with it or, or I don't know. Yes, Jess, do you want to step in and solve the problem here? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, I would just say that, I, like Chase, um, I have a, I had an experience a few nights ago that has totally changed everything that I normally think. So now I'll say from the old perspective of what I have thought for the last, you know, decade or something, to answer Jeff's questions or to address Jeff Jeff's questions. Um, and and then but again i think i think something totally different now but but the new age philosophy or concept behind what jeff is saying is like why is there pain and suffering in the world and how does that translate like how is it fair how does it translate so i i would say the same thing that walter said is um is that that is one of the new age theories is that it's all because it's going to turn out good at some point, right? You have these negative experiences and you see these other people with negative experiences and eventually it's for them to sort. It's they decided to give themselves these experiences during this lifetime because that was part of their journey, part of their lesson, because before they came in, like Michael Newton or, or all these people, Dolores Cannon, would say is that you decided what soul lessons or whatever that you wanted to learn this time. So if it is pain and suffering or um, loss or, you know, love or hatred or, you know, whatever, whatever the lesson is, you're going to have a pretty rough time. Um, that is what I used to think. Also, they would sit the excuse for um, like really people like starving kids in India or something like that. The excuse would be they learn so much karma. There's supposed to be like um, a lineup of people outside the earth, right? You know, beings that want to incarnate and be a human because they want to experience this density, this planet, this experience or whatever. And so they'll, they're happy to come in as a um, an autistic kid or, uh, you know, uh, someone who's paralyzed or whatever, like, you know, some horrible experience because they just want the experience. So I, that's the, that's the, um, theories I think behind the new age kind of people. And, and I did believe that for most of my actual entire life. Um, and so it's the traumatic events help shape people. And you've, you've asked to have these traumatic events happen. So your life goes in a certain direction because you need to maybe have 20 years of thinking about it every single day to try and figure it out because that's what you're here for is to figure out what the lesson is. And that's the whole point of being here. Um, I, I will say that I don't know that I even believe that just as of a couple of days ago, but I, I can't even formulate what it is I would believe now, except for the main thing that I just had, um, my main point of, the ex of my experience, and this is also probably not a super popular opinion, but I had a crazy um, night a couple nights ago. And it, um, even though I have thought and written about and believed and talked about my whole entire life that this is all about love and oneness, um, my experience that I just had, what it's all about was not love and oneness, what it's all about is the experience. Um, and so there is no, because I always uh, did it like Grant, the thing that you always, me and you used to talk about a long time ago, uh, the thing about Michael Newton and Hitler and Hitler walked off the walked off the stages and died. And he, you know, he went to his guides or whatever, and they, you know, gave him a standing ovation or whatever. And I always hated that. And I always argued about that with you. And, um, but in what my experience that I just had, the, the whole thing was, 
And I asked about that. I asked about all these things. And so now I don't even know what my opinion is. But the but the the message of the whole experience was that it doesn't matter how terrible or how great any experience is, thinking about it the whole time and trying to analyze it is all part of the process and it's all the experience. And the only thing that source or the creator wants is you, I am source, I am the creator, this is my reality, I have created this. And every single solitary thing, no matter what it is, no matter how good or how bad is perfect because not because it's about good and bad, it's you have to see the good and bad. You have to see the duality in every situation. You have to see kids struggling and suffering and animals struggling and suffering. And then you have to see people with the perfect life of whatever you specifically personally think is the greatest life because the dualistic nature is the lesson of this. And you have to see it because you have to internalize it because the experience is that it doesn't matter what you do. The good things you do, the bad things you do, nothing matters. It's 100% about the experience because Source wants to have this experience. Every single good thing is 100%. Every single bad thing is 100% because the point is the experience. The point is how you're dealing with the experience. And I was so shocked because when I was outside of, of everything and I was in this black space before I saw myself as Source creating Desta's reality, um, with macrame, strangely enough, and vibration and strings of different color. It was insane. The crazy thing is I, I started thinking to myself, okay, so this is me and I'm source and I'm, and this is my experience or whatever. I thought, what exactly do I feel right now? Am I feeling love, oneness, all this kind of stuff? And I wasn't, I was feeling nothing and the point was, was that as source, that's why I wanted to make Desta have an incarnation because the whole point is I can't feel anything out there. You feel fine. I didn't feel bad in any way, but I was like, am I actually feeling this bliss, oneness, all this stuff? Cause I've had other experiences like this, but this time I wasn't. And, and they, and, and it, whatever me kept saying to myself, it's about the experience because the experience of this roller coaster of emotions that you have is what source wants to feel. And that's why it's broken off into you to have this reality because up there or wherever, you know, in this other place, there is nothing. It's stillness and peace. But I was not feeling this overwhelming joy and love and oneness. That's why I wanted to make Desta to have this because the experience of all these horrible and a great emotions on earth is the point. It's the experience and the point of these emotions because that's why, that's a message I got anyways. That was the point of why I wanted to, to make myself have this experience is for every the top and the, and the bottom of everything, because it's all perfect, because it, the point of this is experiencing the emotions. That's exactly, exactly the message that I've gotten before. And I, I think the answer to Jeff's question is, is exactly what you just said, Desta. It's, it's that, you know, why, why is somebody born with only one arm? Well, it's because you can't appreciate having only one arm if you have, if you haven't had two, you know, and, you can't have black without Easy white. Easy to say with a guy with two without. arms. That's true. That's true. But it this goes back to the yin and the yang, the black and white, positive and negative. It's not a complete system unless you have the good with the bad. Otherwise, what is good? What is bad? If all is good, there's no definition of bad. And if all is bad, there's no definition of good. So to, to complete the hologram, you have to have every, every experience. And it's every experience. Every experience, 
that's the, and, and again, I could be some crazy guy in Texas and that's probably more probable that I'm that than I know what the hell I'm talking about. But, but that's, that's what, that's well, can the I, same message I got. Can I ask, then what, then, then why can't we just break it down like a fraction and just keep reducing it? Why good and bad? Why this? Why not that? Why we are walking around with our heads so high up in the clouds, it's hard to see 10 feet in front of us when we're in these states, right? I don't know about everyone, of course. I'm just saying myself. I'm trying to like ask questions of these things. And it's like you get, you see, you know, what they want you to see. And it makes no sense. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. Grant, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And, and you guys know I've been, I've been, uh, I haven't been, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, let me make a point and then we'll go to Walter. I mean, I, I agree with Dessa's this idea that the one, the reason there's duality is because the one, if you are just the one and there's no duality, you don't even know who you are. You, you may be God and everything is together with you, but until you, it's like movie, like nobody goes to a movie. We know this in, in ufology. If you've got a, a, a love and light movie, nobody goes. You need this duality thing where there's the, like with Chris Bledsoe, where they want to put uh, reptilians in his movie and stuff like that. It's this duality where, you know, if you, you, you don't know, and that's the, the thing that I didn't realize is, is if there is no duality, God doesn't know who he is. He's just, he's just there and he's just sitting there in this, this oneness thing. And I think we've got to sort of move away because we're, we're in the Western world. And so we have this idea that good means lots of money and all this kind of stuff. And if, if you're in India and you're poor, well, then you're, you're you, this is unfair and stuff like that where we're putting all these these sort of uh, uh, conditions on what is uh, good and bad and I, I think that it basically it's the old idea it's, it's all experience and that once you come to that conclusion and treat it like experience then all the fear goes away it's like because we spend most of our life just saying well why is Hillary Clinton after me and why is my mother-in-law bugging me <laughs> and, and it's the old idea with with being treated that until you take responsibility for what's going on, you're never going to get treated because you're you're you see yourself as a victim. And but one thing I want to mention with Walter was this thing about you mentioned that they they don't scare people. I I have and I think I mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago where I talked about I think they actually do, and that's part of this whole thing is that in a lot that when Desta and I did the book Contact Modalities, we have a huge section on trauma. That trauma is what opens up the 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 sort of the veil, and I and I made this joke about the aliens. Why do the aliens come to your bedside, wake you up, and go, Walter, Walter, wake up, wake up? And then you look at them and go, Oh my God! And then they go, Go back to sleep. And then, why do they do that? Why do they scare the shit out of you? And then tell you to go back to sleep. And it's because to me, I think they want you to dissociate, and that's what they're doing is to move you into that higher vibration. You have to dissociate, and that's where you shut the ego down. You gotta you gotta shut that off. And then you can move the person up. So I think trauma is a big part. And people would say, I don't want any trauma. I just want the good stuff. But there's definite with the, especially with the um, the contact modalities, you see this over and over. Or why would someone choose to have a near-death experience? Why would someone choose to die when they're when they're a kid? And we don't see it bad with, with uh, chickens or cows or whatever. That's nature. That's just the way it works. But when it comes to us, it's like, I don't know. I don't want that. Just I just want all the good stuff. And I think that comes from this, idea of of western society that we want all the good stuff and we want someone we're waiting for a messiah or a, a religious leader or a political leader to give us take away all the bad stuff and that we're going to be better off if we have just good stuff but we know 
that if you have if, if you have a silver spoon in your mouth and your mother does your homework for you and never you never write an exam never go to school you ain't learning anything you you it, it, or the idea of lifting weights you only get muscular when you put stress on yourself when you lift weights if you don't lift weights and sit there and eat potato chips all the time you're having a good time but you are falling apart so i just want to add that I've decided to carry my weight around with me in that form <laughs> by just eating. <laughs> Sorry. Walter, step, step in with some Bashar wisdom because Bashar has <laughs> been asked all this stuff like a hundred times, maybe something else you can think of that, that he brought up about this, this whole thing. Cause he gets asked these questions all the time. Well, I think we all hit on the same thing. You have to, um, you have to understand that the way we learn anything is by contrast. Uh, there has to be a black and a white. Uh, if everything, like somebody said, if everything's white, everything's white. What more can be said about it? The good and the bad thing, is, those are judgments that we make on experiences. And it's our nature to want to be judgmental. And it's certainly our nature to have preferences because we certainly like Brand was saying, we prefer to have all these things just come very easily to us and, you know, slipped into our heads and we wouldn't have to go through any, what we call negative experiences. I don't think there is such a thing. Yeah. I think there are experiences that we would prefer, experiences that we wouldn't prefer, but we learn from both of them. And without both of those experiences uh, to weigh it one against the other, then it was like the, I think Jeff's one-armed guy, you know, uh, the one-armed guy is looking at the no-armed guy and going, I'm in great shape here, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's a matter of perspective. Uh, yeah. We constantly, we have an infinite amount of experiences to go through. You know, one of the things I, I think that we do, I do unconsciously, is I have a tendency to say, oh, you know, there's only so many experiences, there's only so we have an infinite amount of, of parallel lives going on right now. There is nothing but now anyway. There's no past or no present. It's all just going on right now. We can tap into those infinite amount of experiences, and we will continue to have infinite amount of experiences. And some of those will be incarnations here on this earth, and some of them will not be, and most of them will not be. And we're having those experiences, and we can tap into those things if we know how to, to find those experiences within our nowness and, and be able to create uh, some really positive results from that. But again, it, the, it's the whole idea that Destin was, was relating that, you know, we are just splinters, little shards off from, from source. And there is this, this continuing need for source to find itself through us and us through source. And we will continue on this path of having these experiences. And sometimes we call them living and dying, if you want to call it for that. Again, I don't think that I ever left spirit. I think you're seeing my physical composition of a, of a corporeal body in front of you. But the, the real consciousness of me, my higher mind, if you want to call it that, which would be a Basharism, it comes from um, my spirit self. And... We also seem to be living at a time where we can change the challenges that we come here for. I, th I believe looking back over reading the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s or so, even into the 1900s, when you look at that and people start to relate their, their spirituality and their experiences, it seems like they almost had a predetermined course that they had almost like a predestination 
uh, in a very Presbyterian sense of uh, how, what they're supposed to be doing here and what challenges, which is what we're here for, experiences, uh, people call challenges problems, whatever you want to call them, the challenges that we face. And that that can't change. We're here, we're on a path, we're going to go from point A to point X and die off and do something else. I, I see that that's changing. I think in my own life, I believe that I've had a, 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 a very distinct change in my experience, my experience levels of it, what I understand, um, how I view things. And that I, some of the challenges that I think I was expecting to face, I'm not going to face, and I've got new ones that I never expected to face. And there's always a, a bit of knowingness about challenges. I, at least it's always been my experience. When I meet something that's a real challenge, and I've got a couple coming up pretty, pretty quickly, that um, when I step back away from those challenges, that, and I can get a more um, overview, a greater overview of them, then I can pick out of those challenges the the pertinent points of the things that I need to experience and take back with me and share resource and become as part of the reason that I'm here. But I think that's starting to change now. I think we can actually change our, our life path. And we're seeing people reporting that and reporting it on the backside of near death experiences. But the uh, the uh, Chase, I really like that picture of you. It's much better than the one you had before. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's when I had more hair. It's it's. Uh, yeah. Is that what yeah. that is? That's your hair that's, picture. That's that's it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's the way the extraterrestrials look at our situation, and they give a big laugh out of it. I can tell you, it's really funny to me. Yeah. Because we take so seriously what they know is nothing more than what Chase calls, uh, um, Jeff calls a hologram. It's nothing more than an experience that we create in our heads through our consciousness that creates into matter. It is a, a structuring of that begins with our belief system. That's the first place it begins. From belief, we get an emotion, and emotion, we get an action. And that's physical reality. Beliefs, emotions, actions. And we don't see, see, see it the same way. We seem to th see it as an action that creates some kind of emotion that we have because something happened to us. And then, oh, now I have a belief. Well, there's really nothing particularly wrong about going backwards like that. But I think really the path that, that makes most sense is one that goes from belief to action rather than from action to belief. And so, Jeff, picking on you a little bit again is that, you know, you're having, you're having experiences that are a lot Sarah, of ways. Not to interrupt you, not to interrupt you, but I just want to say real quick, I never claimed that I was being a victim to these things. I was just saying that yes. they, I'm walking along and they happen to me as opposed to me forcing an interaction. That's all I meant by that. I never meant like I'm being victimized by this because it feels like this conversation is going in the sense that you you guys are trying to tell me that I'm manifesting reality and I, or I don't understand that. But I, I promise you that it's, I even as a young boy, I'm walking along and blunk with a group of people and something happens, you know, um, in the middle of all of us, you know what I mean? It's not like I'm in a state of, I'm, um, you know, willing, it's not, I'm not a victim. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't mean victim in the, in the sense that uh, you're being put on, that you're being attacked, that you're being unwillingly accosted by uh, these experiences. No, I don't. And that it's causing you some kind of, of, uh, 
of uh, indefinite damage. No, no, it's not that type. I, I use victim in the sense of, of the fact that you're either creating your reality or you're not. If you're not creating it, then it's, it is happening to you and the two being related to being victimized by it. So I don't mean it in a, in a negative sense, but just more in a, a, a sense of relative, again, a sense of contrast, victimization or creation. Let me, let me bring up a, a thing that Mark Sims has just written a book um, where he has this encounter with this being that claims to be 4,000 years ago or whatever, and he's with this guy and he builds a worldview. He's got a model and a, a flow chart, which I've had a couple of interviews where he's shown the flow chart and he basically shows what, what Desta shows. And it's this concept that I've sort of brought up now that I guess some people won't be happy with is that God doesn't create anything. God just creates the sparks of the divine and they go out and create the world. And you hear this with Michael Newton, where he's talking to some guy, what are you doing? I'm making a rock. You're making a rock? Well, I'm not that advanced yet. And it's this idea that you you make bigger and bigger things and that you get to the point where you're making galaxies, where you're just, you're the creator, but the God doesn't create anything. He just creates the sparks and you create it out of, out of consciousness. And, if, and this thing about the victim thing, if we, if we look back and look at it at a bigger perspective, if we um, look and see past lives, okay, you, this, you can get a regression. Okay, you died, you, this, all these things happen. And you go, yeah, so what, big deal. It's because we're in the emotion of the moment that we think this is so, so terrible because it's happening now. But when we realize that we've lived a thousand lives, we died a thousand times, that doesn't seem to bother us or that we had one arm in our last life or whatever. It's like, we see it in a different perspective. So I think it's, it's this idea where the, um, a lot of people say, you got to remember who you actually are. You are not an actor. You are not the actor. You are playing an actor on the stage. And that's a, a big difference. And I think we're going to have this sort of debate when we go into the spirit world. We're going to be fighting about, okay, who got who, who gets the Academy Award? Who, who bought it the most? I mean, it's like, you know, Desta, you really bought it, man. You actually believed you were Desta. I mean, and it's like, and, and you see it in a different perspective in, in terms of realizing that, holy shit, that was just that was just a play. And we actually get right into it where the ego takes over and the ego feels, you know, victimized and it's me and I'm this actor on the stage or whatever. And you look at it over multiple lives and that all sort of changes or even the idea of, of, of ne negative stuff. Uh, there's a million cells. I always point there's a million cells that die in your body every single second. If those cells didn't die, you'd be in a lot of trouble. And they, they have their process and they have the, and we see that it's bad. Death is bad. But when you look at uh, death in the body, we say, oh, that's a good thing. I hope it keeps going. And we, so it's this matter of perspective that I think, or, or the, the key thing I think is to remember who you actually are. Are you, as I think everybody's sort of pointed out, are you actually the actor on the stage or have you come in to play this role of whoever we are? You know, I, oh, I'm sorry, Jessica. No, ahead. no, you go ahead, Chase. <laughs> Thanks. I, I was just gonna say, you know, I, I, I don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you think you're the actor uh, on the stage i don't think i don't think so i think you know uh, walter said everything's happening simultaneously right and our perception of time in this in these lives is is uh is is, is not actually how time works right and we've had experiences most of us here have had experiences in which we've been in an altered states of con uh, consciousness and we've experienced our entire life, we've had the life review or a part of the life review or something like a life review where we've seen, um, uh, or maybe not even just our lives. I mean, I've had experiences where 
I've lived as multiple people at, at almost simultaneously having the same type of experience. You know, and in and, and looking at uh, Dr. Ian Stevenson's work at University of Virginia and studying past lives in children, you know, there are edge cases in that body of work that show multiple kids living in the same, uh, same time, uh, having been interviewed at the same time, that describe the exact same lifetime from, from prior. So you have to, you have to ask yourself why, you know, if he's verified all these various traits and attributes of that previous lifetime. And he's verified that, you know, it, it's likely that they actually reincarnated from the same lifetime. Why experience the same lifetime? I, I, I don't, you know, and this goes back to that discussion about the soul group. And, and I think that's yet again, some kind of illusion that we create. I don't think that that's actually how it, it works, at least not based off of what, what I've read and, and my experiences. I think, I think we're all, all illusion, whether our life is illusion to the space or the uh, soul groups illusion, we're, we're creating all this. Yes. All and illusion, that. Isn't it? Yes. Well, well, yeah. And, and then, and then we get, now, now we're talking about the nature of imagination and thought itself. And I don't think there is any separation. I think if we go to the other side and we decide we want to, I don't even know if there's a, the decision process is the same over there as it is over here. But, you know, I think at some point there's this realization that there is no separation, that Dest and Chase are the same. It's the same consciousness, yeah. but, but being influenced by, you know, certain aspects in this, we could call it a matrix or an illusion, whatever you want to call it, you know, and, and so Desta is Desta because of X, Y, and Z and Chase is Chase because of A, B, and C or whatever. Right. I mean, um, uh, I, I, I just, I, 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 I don't know guys, you know, there, there's, there's, there's some interesting stuff there. I really don't think, um, it's that way. And this idea that, you know, Desi said you had the experience, you get on the other side and part of the message is nothing really matters. Um, which is really, de really depressing <laughs> no. from, from an ego, from an egotistical perspective, right? You go, well, nothing matters. What about my, you know, friendships and loves and family and, but. Uh, this is I, the problem with this topic right here. When you get on this specific <laughs> thing, it's like a TV show. Season one, they're trying to solve a problem in the neighborhood. By the time you get to your second book, you're like, nothing matters. We could just do whatever we want right now. And the whole world is fake. <laughs> well, I'll say for, for the, the experience that I had, um, it, I, it was, it was depressing. I, I was up at three 33 when I finally like woke up from this whole entire thing. And I'm like, should I audio record this? Because it feels like I'm never going to forget it. And it's like, Oh, just do it. Because I, I, of course I have a terrible memory. So at three 33, I woke up and I did a 25 minute, I haven't listened to it. I can't imagine what it sounds like, but, um, but are we going to put it out? We're, yeah, we're going to we're going to need you to send that to this group <laughs> yeah. right after the call. We got to listen. Probably sound because the macrame part sounds insane, but but I was very specific in trying to you know take so long to make words out of an experience that is just so um, not er of this earth. So trying to explain it with earthly English language to to you know to report on what you experience, like I, I like I said, I can't imagine what it sounds like, but. 
aside from the macrame part and the frequency and vibration part, which is a theme, but at least that part, I feel like I still believe in that everything is a frequency and a, and a vibration like that definitely was the, was the main message as well. But, um, it was very, um, concerning and kind of depressing. And I kept like, so I kept asking questions the whole time, like, okay, so what does this mean for co-creating? Like you were saying before, Walter, right? Cause I have believed in co-creation, the law of attraction, all that crap sorry, all that stuff forever for my entire life. I based my life. I, I, this is what I believed forever. And, um, and I, I can't even imagine how many probably tens of thousands of hours I've spent in that space, trying to create my reality. That is literally all I ever do. But the, but where I was, it was like, I kept asking like, so what is the, like, so what is the point and how, is there still a thing about trying to be a better person, like trying to be a better person, service to others? You know, there's that whole, again, philosophy and then, you know, new agey, however you want to say it, community where it's like service to self, service to others. So is the point of all this being service to others? Because again, that's my belief. So I was asking all these beliefs that I've had for a long time. And it was like, it was like, no, it was like, no, it's not about that because it's literally about the experience. And I was like, is there an evolution of consciousness? Like, do you, do we reincarnate over and over and over and get to these different levels of how to be a better person? But the answer just kept being like, it's, it's really about the experience. And the fact that you're down there, there's a belief system like encoded into your planet or whatever again, it's not in English. So that sounds crazy. That's not what it sounded like, but that's the vibe behind it. Right. It's just like, you think because you guys are in this community. So the, the theory in this community is like, you should be a better person. And that's good because that helps uplift your species, your, you know, the people that are in that community, the people that need help and upliftment. So it's good that you're doing it, but when you're back and looking at Desta's reality and like the space part of where I all came from that's not what it's about it's about the experience it's literally not about all these things we think it's about but the belief system of where we are right now says that and that is better because it's better than the polar opposite which is destruction and you know like how Tom Campbell Thomas Campbell would say um, it's and I asked about that I asked about Thomas Campbell because I love him love 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 him and um um and, and the, the decrease of entropy, right? It's all about love because you're trying to decrease entropy in this virtual reality. And I asked about that and, um, and it was kind of the same thing. It's like, that's a belief system set into this concept that Tom Campbell has, which is virtual reality or simulation theory. That is part of it. And decreasing entropy is, is decreasing the chaos and trying to come together and be love in this community. That's good, but it's a belief system in your world. That's not how the universe works. The universe literally works in, in imagination. It, who I can't remember if it was Walter who, who just said the thing about imagination. That literally was the point of the whole thing. The imagination that I, when I was source, the imagination to create this crazy frequency vibration thing that translates into Desta and this reality and you guys being here on Zoom today, that was all about imagination as source. And then that um, coming down into a 3D planet where all of this, all these frequency and vibration macrame things turn into like my desk and you guys being on Zoom. But if it was about the imagination 
translating into an experience. So the imagination I have of source to make Desta and then to slowly, well, it kind of feels like we're slowly unraveling time and seeing this in a linear fashion where we're, you know, having a birth, Desta is born and Desta dies. Like having the linear, linear, linear time um, perception of, so it, it takes so long for us to have this life to, to play out the experience. So source, when Desta was source, so source can feel what it feels like to have all these different things happen. But, but even all of the things that we normally talk about when I was asking about stuff like that, I was like, well, is it, should I never be thinking about, like, am I wasting all my time trying to figure out what reality is then? Like, is that a waste of, like, what is a waste of time and what isn't? How do you evolve? How do you be a better person? And literally the answer, sorry to take so long, but the answer just kept being over and over again, like, there is no answer. You don't need to try to be a better person. You've already chiseled this pattern of macrame out for yourself. And you're just going to now unravel the experience of what you've decided to have. And, and everything is perfect, just like they always say, right? And I used to always know that, but I never knew it in this way. It's every bad experience is perfect. Every good experience is perfect. Every thing that you have, if you tell someone off and then you feel bad, it's perfect because then you're going to go and, you know, try to whatever your belief system is, you're going to go back and try and be a better person. However you think being a better person is. And that's perfect because it's all information. It's all experience. And it's all the imagination of you as source creating this world before you actually started living in it. And that it's just about the experience and the imagination of, of how you created everything. Just a point on this, uh, and then I'll turn it over. Uh, we actually did, Dessa, you know, we did the the interview with a woman from Edmonton who was the, uh, she was doing QHHT like you, and, and we had the girl who got thrown off the motorcycle 50 years ago, face first in the concrete, lost her face, and then Mark, who's in the float tank, and they all had that experience where everything was perfect, and I remember Mark saying, he wouldn't tell anybody, he wouldn't tell his wife, his, he wouldn't tell anybody, because he said, this is absolutely crazy. But it came with this absolute certainty, all the three. And so we had the interview where we interviewed them and said, you know, uh, did, was that it was what it was? And it was this whole thing that everything is perfect, which makes no sense whatsoever. And uh, so you're describing that. So the, the big the big thing that Jeff's got to do is you get all your questions like I did when I first met Desta. You get all your questions. You give them to Desta. She'll go in the field. She'll ask all your <laughs> questions and she'll come back with the answers. Um, right. Sounds like Desta needs a good ego death because I don't know. She's, exactly. She's creating the entire universe. Oh, get over yourself. <laughs> oh, I'm there. sorry. I didn't obviously mean it to sound. <laughs> no, I'm messing around. Obviously, I have. I'm just an idiot. Um, can we go all the way back before I have to go in a little bit? But can we go all the way back to the beginning, real quick, just to talk about something? Like in your book, guys, uh, you talk about the Fox sisters or the Fox sisters. Um, is that essentially the exact same thing? Because wouldn't that logic imply if you're going to go back to these Philip experiments that you wouldn't need a table, you wouldn't need any of this goofy stuff for television and not, uh, you know, all these, this trickery and all this stuff like is that, that's the exact same phenomenon, right? Connecting with it or making it up and talking to it and essentially having it wrap on your house floor or, you know, or, or that, w what is the benefit of having a table that swings around the room? Like you're on a freaking Bronco or something. <laughs> I, I, I would I would say it's the theory of wow. So if you're if you're like Walter's idea, we're going to come in because that's when the spiritualism started in 1848. 
the Fox sisters get together and say, okay, well, we're going to roll this thing out and say, hey, let's have a table. Let's have some knocking. Let's do this and make up a story and, and unravel it. Because every you'll see all people have different types of uh, things that they, they use. So it's, it's got nothing to do with the actual table. It's got to do with the theory of, wow, that people are making up a story to try to get an idea across. That would be my impression. Desta, you said you were going to say something. Well, and I was going to say about uh, the Philip experiment as well is when I was um, reading about that, like a long, long time ago, I've always thought about, I, I was super interested in egregores as well at one point. So I'm very like Tulpas, like I think Chase was talking about. Um, so I, that's what I always think is, is it the, the Philip experiment or the Fox sisters? So is it the creation or just like the summoners grant that you can explain who those guys because <clears throat> i i just watch those videos i don't know really anything about them but that are you know trying to summon the ufos kind of thing like a c5 is it the um is it the people in the group because you're like we were saying before it's a cohesive group you're all in the same frequency vibration or whatever and you're all creating this at this one time creating philip creating the ghost creating the raps that the fox sisters were hearing or because you've been asking because you've been asking so much to the field to the universe to the whatever you want to say you've been asking so much we want something to come start rapping on the on the walls or we want something to start moving the table around could it be just any other being any other could be lower um entity or any kind of entity that's around any kind of spirit is just like that's a perfect in invitation for them just like they always say you shouldn't be fooling around with a ouija board especially for young kids because you're so open you're in and you don't know what you're doing you're inviting possibly like lower astral entities or negative entities or whatever anything anything just like please someone come knock come knock on the table and start like moving the table or doing whatever it could be any spirit that just comes and it's a free invitation for them to just start fooling around and doing whatever they want and trying to pretend they're your friend like they would if you were uh, doing the ouija board or is it uh, an egregore which is a, a literal creation because you're all wanting it so much and you're giving so much energy and um, you know uh, intent behind trying to have uh, an interaction with something are you actually creating a being that is then of course going to come and that is your being that's going to be you know getting power from you and taking you know getting and receiving power from you basically because you've created like a child like Crowley Alistair Crowley was doing that and saying it's like a you've created something you've created a child that's going to be attached to you for the rest of your life now because you put all this power and energy into this one thing you've birthed something and now it's going to be with you forever it's very hard to get rid of them so be careful what you try putting your energy and intent behind because you might be actually creating a being um, which would be an egregore. So yeah, the, either the, the Philip experiment or the Fox sisters, I always wonder if it's them, if it's an egregore, if it's a, you know, some kind of other being that just like jumps in and, and pretends that they can pull off being Philip because they're reading your mind kind of thing. And they're going to pretend to be Philip, but it's really right. some other being or yeah, of course I have no idea, but it's interesting. Of all these like really uh, like high meditators and stuff that are like getting real popular with CE5 now, it's like the new face of ufology is all CE5 stuff. And they, and they specifically are always talking about inner peace and all that stuff, yet they'll have that direct statement like Sean Cahill said and others have said recently is that, well, like you just said, go have with a good intent because you don't know what's out there. You don't know what you're going to contact with. It's going to take over on you. So how could, I mean, these are the people that are, this is what I'm, I guess the contracts and in, in, in if it's reflective in art, because these are the people that are going in the opposite way. They're peaceful. They're this, this, you know, they're the ones that say, if you can't meditate without, without just quiet, 
you know, there's, you know, you're not doing it right. You know, they're all like this. I just, it's, I feel like there's a lot of polarizing statements. I don't even realize they're saying because there are dark sides to the phenomenon. I don't really kind of okay. The but then that goes back to the, the initial question I asked, is it reflective or are there actual beings, good beings, bad beings, all these things out there that are, that are making us victims that are influencing it. As Einstein said, is there actually a moon behind you when you're not looking? And so it comes down to the, the example I start to look at now with the UFO study. The more I look at the UFO thing, I ask people like, what, did the UFO, what was the UFO doing? Nothing. Did it, did, did it seem like it wanted you to see it? Yeah. And you start looking at some of the stories, the, 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 the whole story. And you start looking at, are we part of what we're, are we planning this with, with Bud Hopkins? His hit, his, the story that got him involved was his first 64 where the thing, first he sees the, 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 when he's a seven-year-old kid, the war of the worlds, he ha, he's in this thing where the neighbor comes in with the guns and they say, oh man, we're going to go and take on the aliens are coming and all this sort of stuff. And he's looking out the window and he gets this whole fear thing his whole life. And then he has the sighting where the UFO is sitting on top of the car. He's not doing anything and with his friends in the middle of the day. And then in 1975, the catch is his guy, he buys his, his scotch from at the corner store says, Hey, but I had this experience. He said this, this, I saw this UFO and it came as the one in close encounters where it comes behind the car and it goes over top of the car and it goes on lands and the aliens get out with shovels and they start digging holes and Bud says they, they get shovels. And so then you start going, is this actually aliens or are we making a deal where, okay, you play the alien and I'll play Bud Hopkins and you come in and we'll do this thing because we're going to raise consciousness and we're going to have this little game like Desta's got her macrame stuff. And that's when <laughs> this whole thing, is there a separation or are we part of what is happening around us. Because the more I look at the UFO thing, the more I don't think it's ET, the more I think it's it's some sort of thing that's that's a manifestation. Because a lot of it just doesn't make any sense when you when you start looking at at, at what they're doing and uh, the, the types of ships and and coming in with helmets and stuff like that. You start to, you start to wonder, is this actually ET or is this something way more complex, which you would look at when we look at what we're talking about today, that the world looks like it's like a thousand times more complex than we think it is. That we we think we understand what's going on, and we have belief systems. So we sort of build these belief systems that make us feel good, that make us sort of understand what's going on. When in fact, what they told me is you have not got a clue what's going on. That's what they told me clearly. I I, I want to hear from Walter still about what we were talking about a couple of minutes ago. But if I could just join with that uh, thought, Grant is the same thing we were talking about on our last talk um, that we had about the Bashar quote where when he was asked about this, um, you know, people asked them um, if this, you know, I hate to say the whole story again, but I mean, this Melchizedek order, like one of the questions was, is this, you know, we think we're communicating with this Melchizedek order. Can you tell us, is it true? Like, are we actually in communication with this group of beings that are, is the Melchizedek order? And he basically said like, <clears throat> you know, in some senses it's true because Th this group of beings that you think you're in contact with kind of like looked into you, read your minds, realized what you meant by Melchizedek order. And they, there is no such thing as that because you humans just make up words for everything. And, and from where we are, that's not even a thing, but the, this group of beings read what you meant, your intention behind what you asked. And they're kind of similar to the vibration of what you, you thought the vibration of the Melchizedek order was. So the short answer was, yeah, that's what's, what we are. But it's kind of a lie because that you people see things in a perception that we don't see things in. And so, we, and, and we're trying to have some kind of um, 
communication with you. So we basically just said that. So, oh no, I knew I was going to forget what I, where I was going <laughs> with that. But um, well, let, let me jump, jump in and add to that. That's the, the, this, this concept that we are part of what we're manifesting. It's like the, we were talking, you and I were talking about this thing with the Canadians and we're channeling this AFA. And AFA was channeled by the Navy intelligence. It was also channeled at the CIA in 1959. It's a story that they actually described exactly what happened there. And he said he was from Saturn and that there's 750 million people on, uh, not Saturn, Uranus. 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 And there's 750 million people on Uranus. I remember the guy from the Canadian government, there's an experience. So he said, yes, there's an experience. Yes, we were talking to somebody. But let me assure you, Grant, he said, let me absolutely assure you that Wilbur Smith and I, at no time did we believe this guy was from Saturn. <laughs> and and, and yeah. Barbara Streisand's stepson, remember he told us that? He said, when they come, when they come into the, the world, they told him, we go into your head and we figure out what's in your head. And that's what we build your experience or your, your lesson on. We have no other choice. They can't talk like massive advanced quantum physics or like Jacques Vallée said, when they, when they had the, the, in the, in the middle century, he had the one case where the, the beings, they were interacting with these beings flying around and they said, we're, we come from, a, we live above the clouds. And then it was like Mars and Venus. And then it was suddenly, it was Alpha Centauri and all these things. And now it's fifth dimension, 11th dimension. And, and they, they have to, because we're, we're part of the system and they have to deal with this at our level. They can't talk at whatever level because you would have no clue what they're talking about. And that's, and that's when you're in this trance-like state that we have all been in. Or, 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 okay, so let me just talk for myself. So, I mean, when I'm doing that and you actually get a good perspective of how crazy and what an illusion, everything that we're, every single solitary thing that we do in waking reality is such an insane re, um, illusion is the only way that we can actually see that it. we're so wrong. We're so, 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 so wrong in how everything is working, all the belief systems, all, all physics, gravity, the earth being round maybe, but I mean like every single thing that we do on this plane is such an illusion. You can kind of get the understanding to what they're saying is that you people are so far away from understanding what the greater actual like real reality is there's, it's impossible to communicate with you unless we just kind of get the, we get the vibe, you know, the vibe. I always just say the vibe, you know, it's like we get your vibe and the vibe back is like, yeah, sure. You know, we're the Melchizedek order or whatever, but it's like, that is not even. And every time I ask something, it's like, you, it's not even close, not even remotely close to what you think it is. But if you, some of these states you can get and you can kind of go, holy shit, this is, we are so, I can't even put it into words what I'm experiencing. And it is certainly nothing like there's a physical body called Desta and, you know, you have to go in your car and eat food every day and stuff like that. It's just so crazy and hilarious what we think but it's all of our beliefs at the same time thinking that this is how it works here which is what makes it work here because because we're entrained in the thought pattern that's maybe you know embedded in the earth or something and so we think okay i'm a person i have two arms i have to brush my teeth every day and go pay the bills and and it's just hilarious when you're on the outside of it that it's so crazy that's that the real reality is has nothing to do with all this crazy matter and you know, going to work and stuff like that. I'll add one more thing and then I'm going to cut out because I got to go pretty soon too. But uh, I just was listening to, I can't remember the guy's name, but he took over the transcendental meditation movement in, in the world. He's the top guy. I was listening to his and he talked about this thing about perspective. 
which is this whole idea like we think oh they they're they're lying whoever we're talking to they're lying they're deceiving us or whatever and he said it's all a matter of perspective in 1492 the world was flat the bigger your perspective the more you see the more you add the different perspective changes and we always think we have the ultimate perspective but it, it was true that the world was flat in 1492 and the, and the more you your perspective moves out the more it changes and your belief system changes. Whereas we want a, an established belief, we want the answer right now, almost like capitalist spiritualism, where we, we want it all figured out right now and we want it yesterday. Walter, you're quiet. Yeah, that's fine. I'll take it all right now and I want it yesterday. <laughs> but then you got but nothing just, left to do. But that's the point. And it, you know, there never will be we know it all there never will be an encompassing of everything uh there's there's an infinite amount of knowledge to be had out there and and although it can be very frustrating sometimes when we forget that we're not really physical beings that's not who we really are we're spiritual beings that are having a physical existence and it's it's difficult to get outside of that and i think i was listening to desta and just kind of thinking in my mind that she was kind of looking over things. She was kind of looking at her experience as an overview. She was seeing it all as, as one whole thing. And that's a difficult thing to do. And matter of fact, the only way that I know of that you can get to that type of state, Desta, is through some type of trance, some type of meditation, or some type of, uh, of a hallucinogenic drug. And I can tell you that from my own experiences, my life completely changed when I had my first mescaline and psilocybin experiences many, 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 many years ago. I can remember the, the change in, in my perception of reality being just you know, like night and day. I went away to school, came back an entirely different person. My <laughs> father said, who the hell are you? <laughs> and I kind of, and it was funny, but it wasn't funny because he was absolutely right. People would take that I had high school friends I didn't go to school with. They said, what have you been doing? You know, what's happened to you? You weren't this person. They, not that they were saying it was, I was a bad person, just that I was so completely different in my philosophy and the way I handled myself. I mean, it changed me 100% from where I was. So we, you can have these experiences. That's, so that, I think that's a very fortunate uh, experience that you had because it came in a very natural state. Is that a fair way of saying it to you? natural yes yes it came to you very and they're very natural you know you didn't have to take a drug <laughs> oh yes I, I was taking a drug uh, natural oh, oh no here we go. <laughs> natural. There it, comes it, it was guys natural. sorry to be a party pooper here but I, I have to go right now i apologize i have to skip out no, of here i'm sorry uh, the ship is uh, still. all right <laughs> yeah essentially send your questions to desta no, Jeff. No. It sounds like everyone's describing the same thing here. My final comments would be: you guys sound like you're describing like bio quantum trans trans uh, transistor, where we're only here for a certain amount of time, and and like we're here to uh, you know move data, and then we burn out, and then you know a new I don't know. That's what it sounds like everyone's trying to articulate in some sort of way or not. Is that kind of right? I wrote that down whenever I was talking. That's my stone my stone brain went that way. The second <laughs> I was trying to add technology to it. Anyways, all right, guys. Chase, I'll talk to you soon, man. Everyone, thank you for letting me be here. Thanks, uh, Jeff. Walter. Bye, we should, Jeff. When we do this Thanks, again, when we, do this again we should just talk about a lot about psychedelics with Walter. I didn't even, you know, we should get into the psychedelics thing because we have a lot of stuff to talk about there. Okay, that's yeah. the next, next yeah. session. You next can lead session. it. You, you, you'll lead it. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, no, Jeff, that'd be great. We'd enjoy doing that. Uh, and, and one of the reasons is, is because even though the psychedelics are the same, they're not. Uh, yeah. The experiences that I was having 40 years ago are not the experiences that I would be having today or the grant has had more recently. Yeah. And I listen to these. I'm, I'm not a drug taker anymore. <clears throat> well, at least not that one. And um, uh, but I, I listen to a lot of experiences and, and people are having much different, much more full and much more meaningful experiences than I had. There's a lot of reasons for that. We'll go into it. I'd love to have that conversation with you. Thank you. Let me Let get me on, get on, get on I... Jeff's boat, Walter. We'll change, we'll change that, uh, we'll change <laughs> oh, that rope out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> as long as well, it's get not together in, I get together in the trailer. Yeah. All right, guys. We're on the boat. Range recon. White House Bye, UFO. Check it out, everyone. Take it easy. Thank, Thank you. Jeff. Beautiful. Thank you, Thanks, Jeff. Can I ask one question before I go? And that that is, um, Jeff. You know, he is expressing frustration at. It's almost like it's going the other way where it le makes less sense. Would you say over your lifetime, because I, I look back in 1975, where I was in 1975 and where I am now, would you say you've, it's, you're, you're figuring it out? You may not have all the answers, but you sure are a different person and you sure see the world different. And it's almost like you were a total idiot in 1975 in terms of what you believed then. <laughs> Good way of putting it, Grant. <laughs> oh, I'd agree. I, I, I would, I would have absolutely agree. But then again, the world it's, itself has changed so drastically since 1975. We're in such an accelerated um, uh, time in 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 this uh, physical reality yeah. that um, it's it's impossible almost to try to keep up with the changes. Uh, and you know, in in listening to Jeff. I sensed, uh, I sensed in him not a confusion. There was confusion there, but a frustration. Yeah, frustration. That they could understand these things. That, that and one of the things I kept seeing is, boy, his reality is just flipping right through, changing on him all the time, and he's trying to grab a hold of it. And maybe the best way is to stop trying to grab hold of it and just go along with the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I had another question. What was it? Um, well, I still wanted to hear from Walter about the uh, when Jeff was asking the question about the Fox sisters and the wrapping or like the wraps or the um, Philip experiment. What do you think was the who do you think the response was coming from the wrappings or the or the Philip experiment? Same thing. Wrappings, I guess. Yeah. I'll tell you something interesting about that. Uh, and Grant and I were going to attend pre-COVID. Uh, a seance and one of the uh, physical mediums is Kai Mugi. Uh, Kai is an Austrian German and, and probably the most phenomenal <clears throat> of the existing uh, physical mediumship and creating phenomena in the, in the seance room. He also does a table tipping thing. He doesn't even call it a, 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 a seance. He just calls it an experiment. And I asked him one time uh, after one of the table tipping experiences where I had where the table moves and nobody's barely touching it and whatnot. I said, Kyle, where is this coming from? Because if it's coming from, from spirit, disembodied, it discarnates people that have died that are existing in a slightly higher vibrational plane and are able to you know, lower their vibration enough to interact with this. Is it coming from spirit or is it because typically in the seance when things move around by the use of ectoplasmic pods. They're, they're things that 
that come out of the medium uh, that are long and stringy and, and, and wrap around like trumpets and, and, and uh, Tahitian bells and all kinds of different things and move them around the room by these ectoplasmic rods. Yet in the table tipping, you see none of that. There's no way there could be any ectoplasmic involvement. So what's it doing? And here's a guy who's been doing table tipping stuff Zesta, for 25 years now, I guess. And he goes, I have no idea. <laughs> and that's what I did. I just laughed. I thought, well, good. I'm as, you know, I'm as dumbfounded that he is. He said, I have no idea what's doing this. I don't know if it's spirit and some spirit form. I don't know if it's a combination. He said, it seems to be a collective of the intent, though. In other words, people don't go to the table tipping so they don't necessarily put their hands up on a table and go, this thing's not going to move. They go there with the idea that this thing's going to move and they're going to have that experience. So there's a certain amount of energy yeah. that's collected there, a certain amount of input. Spirit has something to do with it, but honestly, we don't know. And yeah. if you go back to the Fox sisters and you follow physical mediumship from the Fox sisters on, it's full of these I don't knows. And yeah. I'm in 100% in Grant's camp with the theory of wow on this. Yeah. I think some things are just there so we can just go, wow. <laughs> makes it interesting. It makes I, it interesting. I, I'll give gives you, a, you something to think about. Yeah. It gives a new perspective on things. Does it give you an answer? Yeah, but it, it, it does it does give you a, the answer in terms of the fact that you we we have anomalies, which means we don't have it all figured out. It's not like you know, Max Planck in 1874 when Jolie is his advisor at university says, stay out of physics. We've we've got all the laws of physics, we've got it all figured out. There's nothing learned to learn, don't go in there. But yeah, you when you're talking about this thing about Kai not knowing about the table, that I, I I'm gonna I always play this tape with George uh, Finn, who's this autistic guy or this uh, savant guy who's the calendar calculator, and he said, George, what's two times three? And he goes, oh, Would that be seven? And he goes, No, that's not seven. You got a ten dollars and you buy a three dollar shirt. How much money you got left? And he goes, I don't know. And then they ask him all these questions: What's the third Wednesday of March in the year one? And uh, you know all these different you know years ninety three thousand three hundred. And within <laughs> seconds, he says whatever it is. And then he says, "Well, how do you do that?" And he goes, "That's pretty good, isn't it? I could do that. That's pretty good. Don't you think that's pretty good?" <laughs> he has no clue what's going on. And just he waits for it to pop in his head. And that I think that's the big biggest thing that I think I've learned from all this is that. Um, the world is a much different place than we think it is. It is much more complex. And it, to me, I, that's where I see it. It's like it's this exciting Super Bowl thing where, you know, you're, you pick up this, you pick up that, you meet the people who are doing this kind of stuff. And you, you learn that um, you may not figure it out, but um, it's a Super Bowl. And, and a lot of this is just wow stuff where we may actually be agreeing with with the table tipping or with the other side where the aliens, you always hear the people with the, with the aliens where they say they I'm their family. I belong to them. That's my family up there. And it's this connection where we make these pre-soul agreements to come in and you play the alien. And next time I'll play the alien and we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it's this like, almost like Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage, all the men and women are but actors. They have their entrance and exits and each man plays many roles. So I, I just, I, I think that's, I think we're, we're honored to be in this thing. I mean, you can see some of the negative stuff, but in terms of living the life we've lived and the stuff we've seen, and most people are just living, as they say, lives of quiet desperation, just, you know, going from day to day, paying their bills, and, and they have no clue what's going on. Well, one of the reasons, Grant, I, I believe that we've swelled to what, almost 8 billion people on the planet or some humongous, un, yeah. unknowable number. 
of people is because there are just all kinds of beings, not just people that have died that wish to reincarnate, using that term very loosely. Yeah. But there are extraterrestrial beings that are want to possess and are possessing to, uh, for, to have a material experience that are possessing human bodies. So, you know, this is one of the reasons why they're so concerned about what we do here. You know, the whole extraterrestrial nuclear thing that you've been talking about Grant, yeah. recently is that they want to make sure that we're allowed our free will. But uh, at some point, they put the brakes on what we can do. They will not allow a total global nuclear war. They're not going to allow the, this uh, disintegration of this planet. Yeah. Now, if we want to bomb out France or if we want to, you know, drop a nuke on Mexico City, they're fine with that. They can recover <laughs> the planet from that. But they're very concerned not only about our own welfare, but they're concerned about the planet more than they are even us because exactly. they want to have the opportunity to have these material incarnations that we are having. And they are having those. But if there's no Earth, there's no way of doing it on this dimension. Okay, you guys keep talking. I got to run. But. Um... Well, why don't we just chase? Do you have anything to close out, and then we can just we'll carry on next time. Um, no, not really. It just just a thought, you know. Grant, you asked, you know, whether or not it, it's a reflection, and I personally, uh, you know, am in the camp now that it, it's that all is reflection. That the C five experience, human initiated contact events, are actually us. Um, <clears throat> that sounds really egotistical too, but <laughs> I I I. I I think that's what's going on. I think a lot of these events, you know, where if we walk into a house, we buy a house, we're renting a house and, and we think it's haunted, it's going to be haunted, you know? Um, so, you know, Desti, you asked earlier about manifestation and, and, you know, the law of attraction. And I think all of those things are very real. Um, and I've been, I've been experimenting with, with that, uh, very recently and have had some results, but, you know, I can't present the results because all the results are, can just as easily, you know, people can say, well, that's coincidence. And you go, well, I, yeah, but you know, um, so, you know, actually we just got back from Florida. We went on vacation. We took all the kids. Uh, we've been back for about a week, but, but we went and uh, we came back and on the way there, we had a blowout in the Audi. We have an Audi Q7. Uh, that's Shari's car. And uh, the Audi doesn't have a spare tire. And we're in the middle of nowhere, Louisiana. Um, and so I get on the phone with Geico and say, hey, um, I'm on the highway somewhere. <laughs> there are no mile markers around. Uh, you know, send somebody and just go up and down the highway and see us. So I get out of the car. After I've already assessed the damage, I get out of the car and I'm standing outside of the car and looking at the tire. And I think, you know what? Um, I'm not going to worry about this. This is, this, this is, I'm not going to let this bother me. This is what it is. And immediately, flatbed truck pulls up. It's not from Geico. Guys just driving down the highway says, hey, you guys need a hand? There's a shop down there. Uh, let's call the shop. I said, well, you know, you know, let's call the shop, make sure they have the tire. They have the tire, you know, but it's things like that. Um, or, um, there's so many other examples, but, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think manifestation uh, is, I, I believe that's something that we're capable of doing, interacting with the field, um, you know, and we see that in the double slit experiment, right? It's pulled in consciousness into modern physics. 
we see that um, in, in, in other bodies of work as well. You know, Grant, you made the comment earlier about, you know, if you're not looking at the moon, does the moon exist? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it's there right now. Um, but, but again, um, who the hell am I, you know? <laughs> so no, no, it's been, it's been a great conversation, guys. I'm uh, more confused than I ever was, which is normal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I look forward to the next conversation. Truly, really enjoy everybody's company. Uh, really enjoyed the, the, the talk. Same here. And Chase, uh, all that confusion means you're moving along your path. Just <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have another experience and they'll probably be, uh, you know, it, Jeff didn't mention it on the call, Walter, but one of his experiences, uh, uh, psilocybin induced, he, he saw a, a meatball guy walking around with eyeballs. So you, you got to wonder, uh, you know, probably my next experience would be that, you know, so we can talk about how both me and Jeff saw this meatball guy and try and figure out what in the hell that means. So, uh, yeah, no, it's been fun. Yeah. That's so great. Next month, let's try and do it again in a month. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Desta, thank you for putting this all together. Of course. Nice to see you both. Chase, thanks, Gil. Thanks so much, Walter. Thanks, Desta. All right. Cheers, we'll guys. guys. Okay. All bye. Right. See Grant. Bye, Grant. <laughs> Bye, Grant. <laughs> That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>